0: 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at JoinMIDI.com. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, uh-huh, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18+. plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Chapter 15 of the Bells of San Juan. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. The Bells of San Juan by Jackson Gregory. Chapter 15. The King's Palace. Not only was Galloway back in San Juan, but as Norton had predicted of him, he appeared to have every assurance that he stood in no unusual danger. There had been a fight in the dark room, and one man had been killed, certain others wounded. The dead man was Galloway's friend, hence it was not to be thought that Galloway had killed him. Kid Rickard was another friend, as for the wound that Rod Norton had received, who could swear that this man or that had given it to him. Chances are Galloway had already said in many quarters that Tom Cutter getting excited popped over his own sheriff. True, it was quite obvious that a charge lay at Galloway's door, that of harboring a fugitive from justice and of resisting an officer. But with Galloway's money and influence, with the shrewdest technical lawyer in the state retained, with ample perjured testimony to be had as desired, the lawbreaker saw no reason for present uneasiness. Perhaps more than anything else, he regretted the death of Fidel Nunez and the wounding of Kid Rickard, for these matters vitally touched Jim Galloway and his swollen prestige among his henchmen. He had thrown the cloak of his protection about Vidal, had summoned him, promised him all safety. Vidal was dead. He knew that men spoke of this over and over and hushed when he came upon them, that Vidal's brother Pete grumbled and muttered that Galloway was losing his grip, that sooner or later he would fall, that falling he would drag others down with him. More than ever before, the whole county watched for the final duello between Galloway and Norton. In half a dozen small towns and mining camps, men laid bets upon the results. For the first time, also, there was much barbed comment and criticism of the sheriff. He had gotten his man, and that it was true. And yet after all this time, he seemed to be no nearer than at the beginning to getting the man who counted. There were those who recalled the killing of Bisbee Los Palmos, and reminded others that there had been no attempt at prosecution. Now there had come forth from the Casablanca fresh defiance on lawlessness, and still Jim Galloway came and went as he pleased. Those who criticized said that Norton was losing his nerve, or else that he was merely incompetent when measured by the yardstick of swift, incisive action wedded to capability. "'If he can't get Jim Galloway, let him step out of the way "'and give the chance to a man who can,' was said many times and in many ways. "'Even John Engle, Julius Drove, Tom Cutter, and Rocky Lane "'came to Norton at one time or another, telling him what they had heard, "'urging him to give some heed to popular clamor and to begin legal action. "'Put the skids under him, Roddy,' pleaded Rocky Lane. "'We can't slide him far the first trip, maybe, "'but a year or so in jail will break his grip here.' But Norton shook his head. He was playing the game his way. The rifles are still in the cache, he told Rocky. He is getting ready, as we know, further. Just as my friends are beginning to find fault with me, so we're his hangers-on beginning to wonder if they haven't tied to the wrong man. Just to save his own face, he'll have to start something pretty pronto. And we know about where he is going to strike. It's up to us to hold our horses, Rocky. Rocky growled a bit but he went away more than half persuaded he called at the hotel paid his respects to virginia and affording her a satisfaction which it was hard for her to conceal also paid her for her service rendered him in the cliff-dweller's cave often enough the man who tilts with the law is in most things not unlike his fellows different alone perhaps in the one essential that he is born a few hundreds of years late in the advance of civilization going about that part of his business which has its claims to legitimacy, mingling freely with his fellows. He fails to stand out distinctly from them as a monster, giving the slow passing of uneventful time, and it becomes harder and harder to consider him as a social menace. When the man is of the Jim Galloway type, his plans large, his patience long, He may even pass out from the shadow of a gallows tree and return to occupy his former place in the quiet community life, while his neighbors are prone to forget or condone. As other days came and slipped by and the weeks grew out of them, Galloway's was a pleasant, untroubled face to be seen on the street, at the post office, behind his own bar, on the country roads. He ignored any animosity which San Juan might feel for him. If a man looked at him stonily, Galloway did not care to let it be seen, that he saw. If a woman turned out to avoid him, no evidence that he understood darkened his eyes. He had a good, humored word to speak always. He lifted his hat to the banker's wife. As he had always done, he mingled with the crowd when there were exercises at the little schoolhouse. He warmly congratulated Miss Porter, the crabbed old maid teacher, on the work she had accomplished and made her wonder fleetingly if there wasn't a bit of good in the man, after all. Perhaps there was. There is in most men, and Florrie Ingle was beginning to wonder the same thing, for Rod Norton, recovered and about his duties, was not quite the same touchingly heroic figure he had been while lying unconscious and in danger of his life nor was it any part of Flory Ingle's nature to remain long either upon the heights or in the depths of an emotion. The night of the shooting she had cried out passionately against Galloway. As days went their placid way, she saw Galloway upon each one of them and did not see a great deal of Norton, who was either away or monopolizing Virginia. She took the first step in the gambler's direction by beginning to be sorry for him. First, it was too bad that Mr. Galloway did the sort of things which he did. No doubt, he had no mother to teach him when he was very young. Next, it was a shame that he was blamed for everything that had to happen. Maybe he was a, a bad man, but Florrie simply didn't believe he was responsible for half of the deeds laid at his door. Finally, through a long and intricate chain of considerations, the girl reached the point where she nodded when galloway lifted his hat the smile in the man's eyes was one of pure triumph oh my dear florrie burst into virginia's room flushed and palpitant with her latest emotion he has told me all about it and do you know i don't believe that we have the right to blame him doesn't it say in the bible or, or somewhere that greater praise or something shall no man have than he who gives his life for a friend, and something like that, anyway. Aren't people just horrid, always blaming other people, never stopping to consider their reason and impulses, and looking at it from their side? But down Nunez was a friend of Mr. Galloway's. He was in Mr. Galloway's house, of course. Thought he didn't speak to him any more in for a long time but if you could have only seen the way he always looks at me when i bump into him virgie i believe he is sad and lonely and that he would like to be good if people would only give him a chance why he is human after all you know virginia began to ask herself if galloway were merely amusing himself with florrie or if the man were really interested in her it did not seem likely that a girl like Florrie would appeal to a man like him, and yet, why not? There is at least a grain of truth, if no more, in the old saw of the attraction of opposites, and it was scarcely more improbable that he should be interested in her than that she should allow herself to be ever so slightly moved by him. Furthermore, in its final analysis, emotion is not always to be explained virginia set herself the task of watching for any slightest development of the man's influence over the girl she saw florrie almost daily either at the hotel to which florrie had acquired the habit of coming in the cool of the afternoons or at the engle home and for the sake of her little friend and at the same time for elmer's sake she threw the two youngsters together as much as possible they quarreled rather a good deal criticized each other with startling frankness and grew to be better friends than either realized. Elmer was a vaquero now, as he explained whenever need be or opportunity arose. wore shaps, a knotted handkerchief about a throat which daily grew more brown, spurs as large and noisy as were to be encountered on San Juan Street, and his right hip pocket bulged. None of the details escaped Florrie's eyes. He called her Fluff now, and she nicknamed him Black Bill and she never failed to refer to them mockingly. "'They tell me, Black Bill,' she said innocently, "'that you fell off your horse the other day. I was so sorry.' She had offered her sympathy during a lull in the conversation, drawing the attention of her father, mother, and Virginia to Elmer, whose face reddened promptly. "'Flory!' chided Mrs. Engle, hiding the twinkle in her own eyes. Oh her!' said elmer with a wave of the hand i don't mind what fluff says she's just trying to kid me toward the end of the evening having been thoughtful for ten minutes elmer adopted florrie's tactics and remarked suddenly and in a voice to be heard much further than his needed to carry say hey, fluff saw an old friend of yours the other day and when florrie gun as elmer called her was too wise to ask any questions he hastened on juanito miranda it was said his best so did mrs juanito whereupon it was florrie's turn to turn a scarlet of mortification and anger for juanito had soft black eyes and almost equally soft black mustache with probably a heart to match and only a year ago florrie had been busied making a hero of him when he the blind one took unto himself an indian bride And in all innocence, heaped shame high upon the blonde head. How Elmer unearthed such ancient history was a mystery to Flory, but nonetheless, she hated him for it. They saw a very great deal of each other, each serving as a sort of balance wheel to the other's self centered complacency. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver?